Hove, England, 2008. In the middle of the night, 20-year-old Charmaine de Rosario Sage is sleeping in bed when she awakens to a frightening sight, a reptilian humanoid staring down at her. I woke up. A reptilian came into the room. We went to an underground cave. There was a group of reptilians there, and they stood around me in a circle. Each one of them put one hand on my body, and I slowly changed. And it was the most amazing, but also sort of bizarre situation to, to look down at your body and see it morph from your human form into a reptilian form. See the skin shift from being smooth into scales and to find that I had a tail. Could Charmaine's incredible story be true? Was she really transformed into a reptilian human hybrid? Charmaine claims she learned from her abductors that all humans today are byproducts of alien genetic manipulation, some more than others. Ancient aliens, take the Great Pyramids. Many mainstream historians would say the pyramids have nothing to do with aliens. But is it possible that the ancient Egyptians had help, not from gods in a traditional sense, but from technologically advanced extraterrestrials that humans misidentified as gods? I say yes. Ancient goddamn aliens. Abs and a six-pack. Six pack. Hello, Abs in a Six Pack. Call Chris at 1130. He's our guest and Mike. It's Abs in a Six Pack, episode 140, here with Midnight Mike of OBDM, returning for the third time? Question mark? I think it's the second full time. I did a, a pop-in for like a few minutes, but that was just to say hi to people. And what about Big Boom Boom? Take Big Boom Boom away from Boom Boom. Your baby want milk. Milkshake. I have a different memory of it. Oh, well then, you know, I don't know what to say other than that's how I remember it. That's my reality. That's my universe. And you can do with what, whatever you want with that. You know, I was like, I had this idea last night for... I don't know, like maybe a prank call or it might work better as like a long time gag. Like, have you heard of BetterHelp? No. It's like all these sponsors on all these podcasts. And this is where obviously not sponsored by BetterHelp. But it's like you it's like 24 access to on call psychiatrists via Zoom. BetterHelp. Ethan, the H3H3 podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. So I was thinking if not a prank call, maybe maybe hire uh, just waste a psychiatrist time for like months on end by paying for a better health subscription and talking to a psychiatrist about how you're living groundhog in ground, like a groundhog day type scenario. And you live the exact same day over and over and over again. I, I like it as like a long form kind of, of gag, but it certainly requires a lot of investment on the yeah. pranker side to, to get a payoff. And, um, well, that's why, that's why if, cause they're naturally, eventually they're going to ask you, well, if you've lived the same day over and over and you've called me millions of times or however many, then how, then you should know exactly what I'm about to say on this call. Mm. And that's when you say yes, but 
I have uh, short-term memory loss because every morning, as soon as I get up, I hit my head. So I forget everything that happened the day before. So the only reason I know that I'm living in Groundhog Day is because I left myself a note in my brother's handwriting that says that I keep living the same day over and over and gives me the backstory. So it's like you're in Groundhog Day, but you have none of the benefits of the memories of all the times you live that day. I think it could work only if the person <laughs> who's making the call is extremely funny. <laughs> Other than that, it's just going to be a psychology session. Yeah, you have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you really, I mean, I I would listen to it if it happened, but it really depends on who's doing it yeah. and what the ultimate goal is. Uh, yeah, I, most I prank phone calls are good. Yeah, most prank phone calls are good for like uh, three to four minutes. And then you would have like there are a, a couple of epic phone call odysseys like what Howard Stern did with uh, the, the Tradio calls, which took place over months and months and months. And uh, those are epic. But for your what you're describing, uh, you got to put a lot of work in, a lot of research. It sounds like there's, there could be some plot holes. Uh, so it require a lot of advanced preparation in order to pull that off correctly. Not impossible, just difficult. All right. Well, you give me a challenge that I have to live up yeah. to now at some point. Maybe, uh, right. I don't know. It's, it's got to be better than pr like calling 100 Wendy's with the Alex Jones soundboard, which is what I did last time. Yeah, a lot of times uh, with uh, prank phone calls, uh, people opt for uh, quantity over quality, and it's tough. You know, it's tough when you're on the fly because it requires a lot of uh, improvisational skills. And if you're using a soundboard, you got to know where your sound files are so you can do it on the fly so it's conversational so the other person on the other end of the line doesn't pick up that they're talking to a machine essentially yeah. and so you got to be good to fire off these clips and uh, know where everything lives and, and then you got you know you have your food specific clips related to alex jones that you probably want to use when you call wendy's i only had about yeah. four of those so it got yeah. kind of repetitive well i mean uh, i guess i had if you conclude ice cream i had maybe i mean i played the milkshake clip and then actually successfully ordered a milkshake so yeah, I guess it, it just depends on what angle you're going to uh, go for when you call up these places. Yeah. Uh, doing the soundboard stuff, uh, it can be difficult. you got to have your stuff organized. Yeah, I usually just uh, use my normal speaking voice. It's It's been a while since I've done prank phone calls on uh, OBDM. Years. Years and years since I've done them. But when I, uh, I did do them, it's usually something... Uh, during the during the show, and you'd call up something like a story would call like come up on the show. Then we would dial out uh, to a place and uh, reference what we were just talking about. Um, yeah, we've done. But it's been a while. That, yeah. yeah, we've done. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's um. I think my favorite one was one of the first ones we did where we called a bunch of planetariums about flat Earth on our space is fake and gay episode. Oh, that's good. That's relevant. Yeah. Uh, references the the show that you're currently doing. Yeah. Um, I think the last one of my favorite ones that I did, um, I called up uh, a porn store, like an adult super center or something like that, <laughs> and I complained that the Star Trek parody porn really wasn't adhering to the uh, the canon of Star Wars. This, like they were. Is this canon? Like. Yeah, this isn't canon. Klingons wouldn't have sex in this manner. 
and you wouldn't have Romulans interacting with Klingons in a sexual way because these two species hate each other. I don't care what kind of sexual plot you have in. So I complained how it wasn't really um, holding true to Star Trek, and I wanted to return it. And they said, you couldn't return the porn. You already watched it. <laughs> it was, did, you, did you pull out the uh, the Star Trek wiki? Here, let me read this to you. I, I, I pulled out some, I didn't pull out any Star Star Trek uh, sound drops or anything like that. I just know a lot about Star Trek to, to make it somewhat convincing to the person on the other end. And they weren't had a, they were, they were done with my shenanigans after about two minutes. So, yeah, that's yeah, the last one. That was my favorite one that I did. That's pretty good. <laughs> I've been meaning to call, call the red onion. I haven't called the red onion. And by the way, am I coming in too loud over there? Does it sound okay? Or do you uh, want me to turn down? You could maybe turn it down one dog biscuit. Okay. But I think it's okay. it's sounding clear and fresh to me. Okay. Fresh and clean. I'll uh, I'll turn I just turned it down just a little bit. So there we go. <clears throat> so I uh in preparation for the Sunday show, we're doing Battle of the Douchebags part two after no agenda. And so, because I picked Neil deGrasse Tyson as one of my guys, I've just had an excess of clips of him. So, I pulled two specifically that I figured would really enrage you if you want to listen to those. Yeah, let's hear it. Do you ever, you ever listen to much Star Talk? Um, I've heard of a few episodes of Star Talk, uh, but nothing that really sticks in my head. I, I know what they, they talk about stars and astronomy and physics and all that kind of stuff. And Neil is a uh, very uh, pompous in his opinion. He's a very agreeable person, very talkative, but uh, it's not something I gravitate towards when I want to listen to something. Well, yeah, my problem is like his, uh, well, my main problem with him is in Bill Nye or their complete, uh, I mean, there's all these videos of them, quote unquote, debunking the fake moon landing stuff. But their go to answer every time, pretty much with both Nye and Tyson is, well, you, they had to be real because we couldn't have faked all that paperwork. And it's like you can extrapolate that their arguments out about most things, including UFOs, to that uh, level of. Uh, I, I, guess, I don't know if it's they just don't take it seriously enough to even bother debunking it in a meaningful way or if they literally think that's the best evidence i don't know because there's too much paperwork we couldn't have done it yeah you can't you can't make you can't just print out if it's there's if it's on paper it's true those blueprints that we actually ended up losing anyways but they existed so that's proof we went stuff like that i mean i i I think the simplest answer is that the mission was so important due to propaganda reasons with our space race with russia that it had to be real and fake at the same time that you could leave nothing up to chance that you had to you actually had to make the attempt to go to the moon but just in case you didn't actually get there or couldn't actually uh document the landing and all that kind of stuff due to technical difficulties you had to have pre-production of stuff that was already filmed to convey the rest of the story now i think that's the most logical thing to uh to think about there is like well yeah we would have to have some b-roll we would have to have some stuff in place just in case those video signals from the moon didn't actually get transmitted or received properly 
to prove that we were there. I think it's we did we did go, but they interspliced pre pre film stuff to complete the narrative. I that's a reasonable take. I would say that if we went, there's a base on the dark side now, and mm-hmm. I would say almost certainly that Michael there or Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin did not set foot on the moon. Yeah, I don't. It might uh, have been an alternate, like side mission, classified mission, and that was just PR. Because, I mean, all you really need to see is the press conference right after they get back, and their stories are all contradicting, and they just look depressed as hell, even though they just got back from <laughs> the moon. It's like, yeah, obviously, there's more to the story than what we were told. Yeah, uh, there, they, all the rumors about uh, the Apollo astronauts seeing UFOs there, then being tailed. Weird objects. Um, obviously, we're we're not getting the the full story, and just from my my opinion, it's like, why would the first mission to the moon, con- considering its strategic high ground and its importance for any number of reasons militarily, why would the first mission there be a public one in which it could easily fail and demoralize the U.S. space program? and our position in the world uh, versus what Russia was doing. So I would say, like, why wouldn't the military attempt to do something first to kind of clear the way to make sure that, yeah, the technology works, we're able to do X, Y, and Z, and then the second or third mission to the moon, that's when you do the PR one, which is NASA. Uh, but I'm with you. Like, if we, That's possible. That's exactly how it happened. Yeah, and I think that's why I, I they called that, it Apollo Eleven because there were ten before it. Well, they 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 definitely attempted a, a lot of things before that, but um, I, I think that we did go, we did see some stuff. There are things on the dark side of the moon, and that the moon is a lot more interesting than just a, a piece of rock that orbits the Earth. It's uh, critically important for a number of reasons, and there's tons of videos out there of ufos that are flying over the surface of the moon leaving the moon uh a lot of stuff yeah i've seen and a couple you of have, those if it's hard to tell if the ones i saw were real but if they're real that's wild shit stuff flying around the out coming to and from the backside of the moon yeah i mean there's some pretty cool stuff yeah it's difficult nowadays to kind of uh tell what is cgi and and what isn't but um, if you look hard enough, uh, I, you can kind of pick out the fakes pretty quickly. There are other ones that are, are much more convincing, but as for the, the moon landing, totally fake, I am, I'm not on that side uh, of stuff. Um, I'm on the side that we, uh, I'm the side of, uh, people that we do have a secret space program. We have pretty incredible technology that can go out into space. I don't believe that uh, space is fake and gay. Uh, I believe that it is something that you can travel through and you can go to other planets. Uh, If we're being honest, how much of that is being indoctrinated by Star Trek? Probably quite a bit. (laughs) Uh, I mean, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, I I think... um, I, yeah, I agree that other than the meme, I don't think space is fake and gay. But I do like saying that I think that, if that makes sense. Well, I mean... It's it, funny. 
this is where this is where you can rub up against people that have a particular kind of dogma, whether it's flat Earth or or uh, hollow Earth, is that people believe that. Like, if you're a flat Earther, you believe we live on a somewhat flat plane here, and that the the Earth is covered by some sort of dome or barrier that prevents. Uh, us humans from getting out to the ether, the other side, whatever that may be. And uh, that, I think, counters the secret space program, the technology that I, I believe that the United States military or, you know, a very large corporations, defense contractors uh, possess. And so it kind of runs counter. And once you buy into that thought process of flat earth, you're, you tend to avoid some of the other stuff. Uh, you're locked into something and you don't want to consider a lot of other possibilities. Well, I'm open to uh, the idea of flat Earth, at least some of the ideas in there, hollow Earth and the secret space program. And not everything has to be mutually exclusive. Um, in the the world that I am uh, dipping my toe into, like the simulated reality and how this reality is formed things can be multiple different ways depending on the consensus of the public and what the public believes can render that reality and also it has a lot to do with the individual uh, and their perspective their literal viewing angle at certain things has a lot to, to do with how their reality is rendered for them at that particular time it uh, gets all crazy. So like general but, reality would be uh, propagated by the overall consensus of the human con- subconscious or something. Yeah, to a certain degree, how you view things I is there that. are things that are there are things that are programmed. Our reality is programmed to be three D. There are certain building blocks, and when you look at it, it is rendered that way. But when it comes to how that thing, how things are stored. Um, before they are rendered, they're stored as flat code. And until they are viewed or, or measured in a way, they are not rendered as such. So you can have a flat earth and a round earth at the same time. It is programmed to be mostly round, but for the, but in general, not many people are observing its entire roundness. What? Maybe five people that are orbiting at any given time. So it doesn't have to be round at the same time or not rendered completely round. You have people flying that are seeing uh, aspects of the curvature, but it doesn't have to be rendered completely that way. Um, so I, I think you can have a combo of all this stuff. And uh, reality, unfortunately, is very malleable. It's very bendy and it is open to interpretation. And that's why what we're... Here, what we hear from mainstream media is so powerful because it builds a consensus and it builds a reality and a belief system. And the more you believe something, that just becomes real. It doesn't have to be true necessarily. Just enough people have to believe it in order to operate on that premise. And that's that's where we're at. I think that's very powerful. And uh, when you dig into like the simulated reality and buying into a certain narrative that forms that 
timeline that forms, forms that reality and people build upon it. That is their foundation for whatever science they're trying to do or whatever kind of policies they're trying to drive. It, it gets very convoluted and a lot of it does come up to uh, interpretation and there are there is no ultimate truth, just an approximation. And uh, people like my co-host Joe doesn't really like that idea of no absolute truth and that everything's kind of wishy-washy. Um, but I'm okay with that ambiguity. A lot of people aren't, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I do have the... Uh, oh, yeah. We got a bunch of clips coming up. Good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is Neil Tyson. It might be on a Neil deGrasse Tyson. Get it right, okay? Neil deGrasse. Show him some respect. Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's the guy that owns Tyson Chicken, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's a chicken expert and a UFO skeptic. Uh, this is him. I think it. This might be the one where he's on Opie and Anthony or Opie and Jim or something. Oh, he hates UFOs. Neil Tyson or in science. Yeah. Eyewitness testimony is the lowest form of evidence there is. In fact, it's so low. We don't even we basically don't accept it. Wow. So when you see people say this was a Navy pilot who's trained and he's a credible witness for what he saw. you're saying species check. You're saying that guy is just as much a dumbass as anybody standing on the ground. <laughs> okay, no, this is on Star Talk. This is Neil's podcast. Sorry, was that uh, Mark Marin he was talking to? No, it's this his sidekick, uh, this black comedian named Chuck something. Mm. Finish your club. <laughs> that <laughs> Navy pilot or not, being a human being. <laughs> no. He's susceptible to the same perception bias that anybody else. Perception is. bias. What the hell was that? That's it, not purposeful. You know, right? They're not trying to. It's just the consequence of the human being trying to make sense of their world. And when things don't make sense, we have the urge to make it make sense so that we can think about it in some way that's consistent with our life experience. So I've had people say, uh, "Oh, I saw this." This bright light in the sky, it was huge. So, no, they meant it was just bright because the vocabulary is... I I saw this light and it was a few inches above Marty's Deli. What do you mean a few inches? Was it an angle? It was in the sky? You know, so even our capacity to retell things is compromised because we're human. All right. So, all I'm asking for is among the six billion images and videos uplifted to the internet every day that are high resolution. Uplifted. Uh, it'd be <laughs> nice if a few of them had an alien getting out of their spacecraft. <laughs> or, or you going up to greet the Give me some footage of that. You know, some high res videos. But you don't have that. What you have is lately fuzzy Navy video. Right. Monochromatic. And so you're telling me that the aliens uh, are only revealing themselves to the Navy. (laughs) Well, that's not a bad place to start. (laughs) They do have the best uniforms. (laughs) Uh. Plus, if the aliens are everywhere, 
But do you know how many planes, when we're in full flying mode, do you know how many planes are crisscrossing this planet every minute? Right. All right? If, we were, if there were aliens all over the place, this would be like a major hazard for airplanes. Okay? And- are you buying this? <laughs> Uh, so there are hazards to airplanes and they, I mean, and they have been reported to, uh, to the FAA. The problem is there is such uh, a stigma associated with reporting UFOs by pilots. And that has only changed up until recently where there have been close encounters with, uh, airlines and UFOs, uh, over the decades. It just doesn't get reported a lot. And a lot of people that are like Neil deGrasse Tyson, they don't take time to read accounts now because as he just stated he discounts eyewitness reports and so he says that's the least um i I guess the least verifiable the least reliable form of evidence so he discounts it right out what he wants is absolute video uh photographs of aliens but when your average encounter probably lasts anywhere from three to 10 seconds at most. It doesn't give a person a lot of time to get over their shock and awe of the event, reach down, grab their phone or camera and take a picture. And, and there's also the factor that a lot of these type of things, even UFOs, I think could fall in the paranormal category where they're, it's more of a dimensional slip, and so who knows if you'll... It's like a ghost, almost. You're not going to pick it up on camera, necessarily, because it's, it's uh, between dimensions, possibly. So, they're, like, we stopped referencing the, the Navy um, incident, the, the Tic Tac incident, and I, as of recently, I saw a, a really good analysis uh, debunking, a video analysis debunking the Tic Tac UFO. When in doubt, some, go to Snopes.com. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, debunking the Tic Tac as a cruise missile. And the guy did some really good analysis. And I am open to the idea of what the Navy pilots saw was a missile, at least in that FLIR footage. Now, it doesn't discount all the other incidents. They were just focusing on that FLIR image. Uh, but there are there are Navy veteran pilots that say these things are moving at incredible rates of speed, doing maneuvers that are not possible by conventional aircraft. And I would include cruise missiles in that hovering, uh, hovering over the water, other things. And so debunking one in a very convincing way doesn't debunk all the other eyewitness uh, testimony. And like you said, not a lot of this stuff um is re- reproducible by modern-day scientific scientific methodologies. And that's what Neil deGrasse Tyson and a lot of other scientists want. They want something that is re- reproducible, something that they can measure over and over again. But a lot of these events, they happen so quick, they're one-offs, and it is very psychological in nature. Like all the stuff that happened at Skinwalker Ranch, very psychological. They took, uh, the events took many different forms and when you have all these cameras set up and they're not capturing what the human is seeing that is a discrepancy that they cannot explain nor can they take the that discrepancy and relate it to their higher ups to ask for more of a budget or to try to explain it away or something useful to them militarily 
it's very psychological. And a lot of the stuff is trying to be explained away as something that is much like a delusion or schizophrenia or something like that, but it's not. And that's probably why Neil deGrasse Tyson is comfortable dismissing this stuff because he can't touch it, he can't measure it, and do anything with it. So it's got to be BS, and he wants something that is more tangible. That's a good majority of the public. I don't think they're going to find it, at least not in the, the short term here. It's, this is much deeper than just a craft coming from a star system over. It's, it's crazier than that. The fact that you don't know what it is is not evidence that you know what it is. I was going to tweet this, too. Maybe I should. (laughs) I got some Neil Isos. I was going to tweet this, too. Maybe I should. I got to come. I got to come. All right. Uh, It's that pompousness. Like, (laughs) so here's the thing. Like, you can convict somebody of horrific crimes through eyewitness testimony. So eyewitness testimony does carry a lot of weight in the court of law. It doesn't carry a lot of weight in the scientific realm. And unfortunately, when we're living in this universe, as I talked about with the simulate, my view of the simulator universe, where us, the viewer, is critically important to how this place is rendered. Uh, the importance of the viewer and our eyewitness testimony is paramount in the simulated universe, in Neil deGrasse Tyson's scientific world, where everything must be measured and replicated and reproduced. The eyewitness in the viewer is not as important. But in the quantum universe, where if you look at something, you collapse it into one form or another, the viewer, the conscious person, is critically important. And so um, he is, I believe, 30 years behind uh, spiritually and philosophically um, than where some of the people in the UFO community are at. And we can't explain everything about how this universe operates, but at least we're coming up with ideas about how this reality is and how uh, we should maybe think about it. And for Neil to be as pompous as he is, at least he's engaging with the question. I'll give him that. He's engaging with it. He's willing to talk about the topic. But there are a lot of reports ranging from uh, Project Sign, Blue Book, Project Grudge, the most recent reports, a new book written uh, by George Knapp and uh, I think it's Cole uh, about the skinwalkers at the Pentagon, about all the strangenesses and weird scientific stuff that happened at Skinwalker Ranch and how the Pentagon was very interested in that. A lot of people speak with such confidence and dismiss the UFO or paranormal events in general. They speak with such confidence when they do the bare minimum of reading articles or research on the topic itself. You see that hubris in all aspects of our life anymore. People watch CNN and they think they know what's going on with the world. And those same people will dismiss anybody who does, quote unquote, research about uh, medicines or vaccines. Like, oh, you're doing research? You're you're a scientist? I'm like, no, I, I just read different scientific papers on the same subject that you speak so confidently about. There's other views out there. There are other scientists looking into this matter. And Neil is, he's lazy. He's intellectually lazy, as with with most people who speak with such confidence on these topics. 
Exactly. When in doubt, go to Snopes.com. That's where I go. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I'll, I, this has got uh, 20 seconds left or something. Crossing this planet. Just listen. Every minute. Right. All right. If we were, if there were aliens all over the place, this would be like a major hazard for airplanes. Okay. And we'd be seeing them all the time. All right. So we take this one case out of tens or hundreds of thousands, and it's a weird thing, and nobody can explain it. And all of a sudden, everybody can explain it. So that's the, I don't know what it is, therefore I know what it is. So, by the way, we as scientists, we'd love to meet the aliens. I have no problems with this. We just need better evidence than your credible witness. I just need better evidence than your fuzzy video. But anyhow, I'm ready for them. Bring them on. And just it just seems to me if we'd be visited, more than the Navy would notice it. You're a cunt. Um, yeah, I got more. I got, <laughs> I got one more Neil clip. Um, this is the, uh, this is the one that I thought was the one that I thought was, I was playing first, but yeah, go ahead. What were you say? I, there is more evidence. The problem is some of the evidence gets swooped up and taken away. Like during one of those Navy events right there that he was talking about, uh, there was radar tape. There's there's radar data from that entire event, and it was confiscated. People came out, probably the Air Force, I think if I remember correctly, came out and took it. And so there is additional evidence. There's tons of evidence about with all this stuff. It's just that some of it is taken away and never seen or talked about again. So all we're left with, are eyewitnesses to convey the event that they experienced. So he's complaining about lack of evidence. Well, there is some. The problem is you're asking it you're asking for evidence from the wrong people that have no control over the the collection of the evidence. <laughs> and so if it he's complaining about it, well, let's talk to the Pentagon. Let's really pe- pressure them. Congress is trying. Some people in Congress are trying. Some people in the Senate are trying. The problem is that the people who know and have the evidence are lying to everyone else about the nature uh, of these uh, paranormal events. And they want to keep it quiet because it lines the pockets of some defense contractor or it will upset the existing status quo. And so when something will upset the current business model, they will demonize, they will make fun of, ridicule and hide. <laughs> I'm not happy about this. I'm with you, Alex. In fact, uh, I found my own. Uh, I have Neil deGrasse Tyson clips. Here's m- before you play your clip. I'm, I don't want to yeah. preempt you. This is your show, but I got to play this. This is what I got. Right. I'm not offering you my butthole. I'm not offering you my butthole. <laughs> I'm not offering you my butthole. Is that okay? You tell me you're skank nasty. Skank nasty. And then this one. It doesn't mean I am offering you my butt microbes. <laughs> Just- my butt microbes. There you go. That's what I, I got to come. Uh, All right, let's hear this other clip. This is the one I was thinking of. I think this actually is him on the Jim and uh, Sam show or something. Opie and Jim show. Yeah, so, you know, so Jim, Jim Norton, who was with Opie and Anthony during their heyday after Opie and Anthony broke up, 
Jim Norton started to do a show with Sam Roberts, and Sham, Sam Roberts was a producer on Opie and Anthony, and they do a, a fairly solid show. Although they 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 lean a little bit more to the left, they do a good show. Yeah, I, uh, I've always liked Jim Norton. Yeah, but uh, so I think that I yeah I think this is what that's on. But anyhow, I, I'm ready for him. Bring him on, and just I, it just seems to me if we'd be visited. More than the Navy. Oh, I guess not. I guess this, I guess I just lost that clip. So I hope it wasn't as good oh as I remember it being. I hope oh. it wasn't as good as I remember it being. <laughs> but anyhow, I, I'm ready for him. Bring him on. And just I, it just seems to me if we'd be visited, more than the Navy would notice it. That's all I'm saying. And you think the government is keeping secrets? First, you what? think the government is competent enough to. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. They did it with this, the, the B-12 bomber and the Manhattan Project pretty well. This is my problem with people that uh, lump everything in one big group. Michael like, Schirmer. oh, the, gov- the government's incompetent and inefficient. Yeah, in certain aspects, sure. It depends. If you equate uh, the Postal Service as a piece of government as the exact same as the Green Berets, well, they're both government, and you put them in the same pile – well, then you can dismiss it out of hand by, you know, some ad hominem kind of straw man attack. But there are very competent, very smart people within the government and the private sector that work with government uh, that can keep secrets and can uh, do things in a very efficient way. doesn't mean they ain't, they're not going to line their own pockets and, and uh, ask for more money any second or any chance that they get. But this is a problem and he should be smarter than this, that there are very smart and efficient programs within the government when they want it to be. The government is fairly, uh, the military is fairly good at killing people when it wants to. They're pretty good at it. Neil just um, said they, they've made it to the moon nine times on that, uh, or maybe that wasn't on this clip, but he always goes on about them making it to the moon nine times. That seems like they were very competent. Yeah, you can't, you can't, well, they did blow up some people along the way. So, I mean, so we can't ignore that, but they, they can be when they want to be. And if there's something as important as next generation tech that can totally revolutionize the uh, energy markets in the, in the world, then you're going to put some pretty brainy people in charge of dissecting it, figuring out how we can repurpose it. And make sure that it doesn't upset the balance too much and benefits the people who uh, are currently in charge. Uh, so I think that uh, these kind of logical ar- arguments just ignore that bureaucracies, while cumbersome and inefficient and uh, time-wasting, uh, they can be very efficient when they want to be. Yeah, and this um, it's about to get a lot worse, if I remember this right. Keeping secrets? First, you think the government is competent enough to keep such a secret? If we were stockpiling, you don't think a cell phone image is going to get out of Area 51? Something will get out. You you don't really? Really? Do you really think the government is that competent? Really? Anyone who's worked for the government knows differently. And of course, the government tries to keep secrets. Of course, they try. But anything as juicy as an alien? Plus, if aliens are on their way, do you know how many telescopes we have? Point. How do we know aliens are juicy? They could be rock creatures or something. They could be very dry. 
They could have like water crusty. problems in it. Yeah, yeah, very crusty and old looking and very dry. Yeah, that's what I thought. Alien. Plus, if aliens are on their way, do you know how many telescopes we have pointing up to the night sky? Right. Do you realize how that's how much the night sky is being monitored by people other than human beings? Also, uh, then how come we never see the asteroid threats until right when they're on top of us? And NASA admits we only we haven't even seen one percent of the potential asteroids that could come at yeah, us. There, and there was an asteroid. There was an asteroid just like a couple days ago that we didn't even notice until two hours until it almost hit us. So the and point Neil made right there is completely. <laughs> yeah, the point Neil made there is completely mute. Then right because it's. Well, there's a couple of things that he's saying that he should pick. He should know better in this if he works in the scientific field. There especially, are known. He's there are things that we astrology. Know. Yeah, there's astronomy. things that we know. <laughs> he, astrology might actually benefit him better at this point. It might <laughs> yeah. it might open up his mind to some possibilities. But there are things that we know, um, and there there are certain guesses that we can make about the world and what secrets are kept. And then there are unknown unknowns, as Rumsfeld said that there are secrets that the government has that we will never know that's just the the way it goes there are aspects about people our best friends and family there are, are, are events in their lives that we will never know because simply because we haven't asked the questions and they or they have never chosen to divulge that information so there are there's so much out there that we just don't know and for him to say a, a, a picture would leak out and it would it would get out and we would know it's it's simply too good of a story, maybe, but it doesn't mean just because it got out that people would believe it. There's so much garbage UFO footage out there and supposed alien footage that if it did get leaked or it was leaked in the past, that it wasn't already dismissed because mm-hmm. it or it wasn't called bunk. And that very well also could be the case is that there, as a good disinformation campaign or a disclosure campaign to get the public ready for this is that you release good, true information among BS information. And so you intermingle the both. And so you could you can say, oh, this one photo, this is fake. It also got released at the same time as these other photos. Then it's all fake. Neil deGrasse Tyson is doing the exact same thing when he says government is inefficient and incompetent at the post office. Therefore, Raytheon and Skunk Works are equally as inefficient and can't keep secrets, which yeah. to equate the two, you can't do. They both work for the government, and therefore they're equally as skilled logical fallacy he should be smarter than this but he's choosing not to be willful ignorance i think that's the same thing with bill nye do you realize well, these are difficult subjects these are difficult subjects for them because there's unknowns and these people want to be sure of themselves and they don't do well with ambiguity oh you should have seen neil degrasse tyson get it all but hurt and defensive when he realized he couldn't explain how gravity works to joe rogan they talked about yeah, it for I like mean, 20 minutes, it's and called, it was like, okay, fine, I don't know how gravity works. <laughs> yeah, it's called, like, they. there's a lot of unknowns. Like, there, yeah. it's the, there's the theory of evolution. There's a theory of relativity. Relativity? relativity? Yeah, relativity. Um, and these are the, the best guesses that scientists have. They're not laws just yet. There's not the law of evolution just yet. But theories are pretty good. It's a pretty good operating model to base other science on, and they continue to do that. But it's not a law yet. 
it's still there's still some flim flamness in there. Yep. <laughs> flim flamness. We have cameras pointing downward. You know, Google Earth are downward pointing cameras. Okay? All right? If aliens are landing and taking off, we would have footage. We do. Because, be, <laughs> and be, and there because, is. There and there's no there's no censored or blurred out spots in, in the entirety of Google Maps. We know that. There Hello. is. There are Google Earth anomalies. There are uh, pictures taken by drones. There was a great piece of footage that came out in 2019 uh, that we talked about on the show from drone footage in Utah of a very fast-moving silver object, 4K, uploaded, verified that the, the footage was not uh, screwed around with, and that it was actually taken from a drone. And it was moving 10,000 miles an hour, if I remember correctly. Um, you can go check it out. Just go on OBDM videos on our YouTube. Just look up Utah UFO. I have links in the description to the original footage. There is footage. There is video of very interesting UFOs. The problem is Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't take it at face value. He dismisses it and doesn't even attempt to look any deeper than what is exactly right there in front of his face at any given time. He's not going to take two hours out of his night and dig, go down the rabbit hole. That's not what he does. His job is to debunk things and maintain the status quo. He's got other stuff he's worried about. I got to come. He's got to come. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not offering you my butthole. <laughs> uh. So instead of asking... How come scientists don't agree that what you can't identify is alien? Try to think differently about it and ask if they were aliens visiting Earth, what would that be like? Somebody would see it, somebody would have photographed it, it would have ended up in Google Earth, it would show up in many, 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 many more airplanes, given how many airplanes fly around the Earth every single hour. Or just think that through. The absence of that level of supportive evidence, for me, is very strong against the alien interpretation scientists of scientists do science. Guy. So, and by, by the way, keep, keep, get, bring a net. Grab one. You'll be rich and famous overnight. More power to you. I'm not going to get in your way. But your what you present as what you think is evidence is insufficient in our scientific court of law. This has been a Star Talk Explainer. Neil deGrasse Tyson signing off. By the way, you look science. like shit. <laughs> Sorry, I stepped over you. <laughs> this is a good one, though. You disrespected science. You look like shit. There there's plenty of stuff out there. He's just, he's not looking and I'm not even on totally alien side of things on, on like the alien, like, Oh, it's all aliens from a different star system. I'm not even on that. A lot of these events go back hundreds, thousands of years as category, as categorized and documented by uh, Jacques Vallée, where a lot of these events, paranormal uh, alien encounters, uh, take a very folklorish kind of uh, plot uh, as a as a scenario, and that change over time. And these abductions were in the Middle Ages, maybe started off as fairy encounters or 
dwarves or elves coming to visit people at night slowly transformed into something else. And this is where it is psychological and up to the viewer and how they are experiencing the event and choosing, maybe subconsciously, how to interpret this event uh, based upon what has been fed to us through our culture, history, and just what we believe about this world. So a thousand years ago, if I were to have an abduction experience, it might be something akin to elves taking me to the hollow earth or an underworld, where if I were to have the exact same scenario, not, or not scenario, but a catalyst for that paranormal event, uh, nowadays it would be gray aliens coming down to take me up into the sky. But for the most part, a lot of it has to do with us humans, us being examined, being told certain information, and then being let go. And that is the, the commonality that I've been uh, able to come up with, that they, are, they care about us reproductively and giving us a message, whether it's true or not, about us conveying to the rest of humans that we need to take get better care of our Earth. So the, a lot the, of these, a lot the grays of, are drinking ayahuasca, probably. Something like that. Um, they, they, it, it appears that they, these aliens occupy some dimension that can be accessed through psychedelics, um, whether it's ayahuasca or some other kind of uh, mind-altering experience. You can interact with some of these entities in that realm, whatever that realm is. The elves and the jesters are definitely... Uh something uh i've never seen the grays on uh on on, on uh anthogens hallucinogens but you know you go going back to what you said about the gnomes or elves or goblins or or the creatures that people would see back in the day with abductions versus now it being aliens that kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier with the collective perception of reality and maybe even like what's in the pop culture lexicon at the time would uh, possibly influence your abduction experience and what kind of creatures they would be. The, the best that I, the best that I can kind of articulate this uh, from the the many many stories and books that I've I've read is that there are a variety of different entities, and depending on how they approach humans or interact with our reality. Uh, is kind of an indicator of what kind of mission they are currently on. If you happen to see a more of a humanoid alien and they're one-on-one, -on -one, they're one-on-one -on -one and you happen to see them, that is more of a personal encounter and they are most likely not going to abduct you in a malicious way and they want to give you a message, something that is impactful to your life. Some a personal message. They want and they tend to be more something like that. Not not necessarily sexual because it's one on one. Uh, for the most part, if they show up in groups of threes, which they often do, they're interested in abducting you. They don't want consent. They will take you aboard their craft or take you to some other place where where they will perform experiments on you. Most likely having to do. Uh, with reproduction. Um, I'll tell you this, this is not going to be boring. Yeah, and uh, they will do it against your will. They will either 
pour some sort of slime or goo on you to get you aroused, and then they will either extract your semen manually or do it through some sort of instrument or take your eggs, ovaries, whatever. Um, if they come in groups of five or more, they are interested in the environment of planet Earth. They're out there collecting samples ranging from uh, minerals to organic life. And if you happen to be in that area, they will view you as part of the environment and try to collect you as well. Those are the three categories that I have. Um, now, depending on the types of aliens, that are also different. That there's a, there's a change there as well. So the more human-looking that they are, the, uh, what we classify as the Nordics um, or people from Venus, they tend to look a little bit more uh, human-like. They're more willing to have a conversation. The greys, they operate by all, everything that I've read, uh, like worker bees, and they're, they're collecting something. Uh, the reptilians, what people would consider the, uh, the reptoids, they are much more malicious and have an agenda of domination and conquest and do not care about the human's health and well-being. They're, they're, they're there to control. Oh, God, they're so evil. Just please, God, free us from them. Yeah. I do. I did want to talk to uh, you about reptilians a little bit. Uh, well, I got, I got the Buzzfeed introduction from, uh, well, yeah, the, the lizard people introduction, introductory segment from Buzzfeed. And I think you'll notice a huge problem with this right off the bat. I'd love to On hear today's what Buzzfeed episode. has to say. <laughs> yeah. This gets, uh, yeah. uh, there's, there's one just glaring, um, mistake with this video and I think you'll realize what it is pretty quick. On today's episode, Reptilian Conspiracy. If you've been paying attention, you might have heard more and more references to a clandestine reptilian humanoid race. Sound familiar? It's shown up in pop culture with increasing regularity. You've heard it on podcasts, in politics. The theory has even infiltrated the hit romance reality show, Love Island. Just what are all these people talking about? Let's get into it. Okay, so as with nearly any conspiracy theory, there are usually variations in belief, but for the most part, the theory posits that there is a race of reptilians, or lizard people, if you will, and you should, that work in secret to dominate and rule over humans like you and me. Now, while the suggested origin of these lizard people varies from theorist to theorist, some say that they're from Earth, some say that they're from space, some say that they started on Earth, went to space, and came back. The one thing that most folks agree on is that these motherfuckers are evil. So how do these lizard folk go from ruling in secret to getting brought up in Love Island casual contestant conversation? Well, the reptoids can thank former soccer player, sports reporter, and hot take haver David Ick for absolutely and utterly blowing up their spot. It's also worth noting now that David Ick's ideas are kind of problematic and borderline prejudice, but we'll get to that later. In 1998, David Ick released a book called the big you seen the issue here yet uh david ick david ick he, he doesn't even know it's david ike it's like you're for a guy that you half the video is about him you can't even pronounce it you can't even see how his last name is pronounced david ick listen I, I mess up names and pronunciations all the time but i do my research and right. just because i can't pronounce something doesn't mean 
that it invalidates everything else I do. But for this, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing a stupid little podcast here. This is BuzzFeed. Uh, you would imagine that he would have this conversation with somebody else there and he would be corrected in, in saying David Icke. I get, I get corrected all the time by Cratchit on my show when I misspeak or mispronounce something. I, apparently, they don't have that editorial process over there. You're reading something real bad. <laughs> David Icke. Biggest secret, where two people he interviewed claimed that the British royal family were not, in fact, humans, but lizard people. Icke also claims that George W. Bush, Henry Kissinger, Bill and Hillary Clinton, and Bob Hope are lizard people as well. Ick says that the reptoids yep. are responsible for the JFK assassination, Princess Diana's death, and even 9-11. According to Ick, the Anunnaki, an ancient species of prehistoric alien demigods, came from the Orion, Sirius, and Draco constellations, created humans, and then created a reptilian-human hybrid. Making sense? Yep. Right? Additionally, <laughs> Ick suggests that lizard people drink human blood, which allows them to shapeshift into human form, allowing them to, I guess, then become a vaudeville legend and have an airport named after them. Ick has written that presidents and prime ministers have either been lizard people themselves or have been possessed or controlled by lizard people, and that they have had control over powerful offices since ancient times, like when Shrek 1 came out. Pretty heavy stuff, right? So what is there that even supports these wild-ass claims? Well, a little bit. Kind of. Maybe. I pledge before my Heavenly Father that I, 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 that I will resist them every way I can. These people are the literal demon spawn of the pit of hell. Is that funny? It's pretty funny. Yep. Uh, what is the, did he, does he go into the evidence uh, that supports it or not? Uh, he says the ev I don't think I pulled that part, but he says the evidence that supports it is um, there's like the lizard brain that people have. And what was the other thing? Um, oh, reptiles exist. I think that so like it was like just stupid stuff. It's like, well, reptiles do exist. So it would be possible for there to be a hybrid. Uh, just like dumb evidence. There's no. Um, and then it, it basically went into the anti-Semitism of David Ick. I, I I don't know I, I don't know that much about his view on the the Jewish faith or anything like that so I don't I don't know I'm just going strictly on well the, the like, reason the reason he's anti-Semitic is because he suggested that the Rothschilds are uh, lizards and the Rothschilds are Jewish therefore anti-Semitism yep yeah well there's <laughs> there look there's a a bunch of different uh, eyewitness accounts, which Neil deGrasse Tyson hates, but that's what we have to go on. Uh, and a lot of people describe encounters with the reptilians, but they come in different forms. And there are, by all accounts, I think uh, five to six, five to six different types of reptilian creatures. Not all of them are malicious and evil. The ones referenced in that BuzzFeed piece are the Draconians, what most people would refer to as the uh, Reptilians. Um, and as they as stated in there, they hail from the Orion Draco constellation. And uh, these are your standard big boys. Uh, they, they range from seven to nine feet tall uh, by eyewitness accounts. Uh, they also are cold blooded. They have like scales all over their body with bony plates. Um, they mostly come in the colors of bay, uh, beige, brown, green, 
or all in one color. So kind of colorful in, in nature. Um, but they do have some vibrant kind of eyes ranging from red to orange to yellow. Uh, they have clawed fingers. I would literally not be able to finish my dinner if some, if somebody walked over and talked to me that looked like these two guys. Exactly. They're they're not the most handsome as what we consider down here on Earth. Now, the Draconians believe that uh, they were the original residents of this universe and that they are the owners and rulers of it. So they have a mission of conquest and domination, um, and they will do everything in their power to maintain that power. Now, there's the regular Draconians um, that people see, and then there is the the taller, larger ones that not are not as seen as often, which are the uh, albino Draconians, which stand, I think, right around... Uh, 10 to 12 feet tall. They're like the royal albino draconians, and they, they much more behind the scenes. They're kind of like the generals, and they issue the the commands. Um, and uh, they have, you know, various psychological, mental powers, t- uh, telepathy. They're able to influence people's minds and and give very powerful hypnotic suggestions. Oh, I have power. Oh, and they're, they, they run their own um, breeding program. They will oftentimes come down, take uh, human females, uh, breed with them or uh, inseminate them. And then a few weeks later, they'll come back, take the fetus and go about their way. The human female doesn't have a lot of recollection of the event and no one is none the wiser. Uh, I that's eyewitness accounts right there, but nothing has been brought forth uh, for video footage or photographic proof. Uh, nothing absolute. There's some like blurry stuff out there. But these are real encounters that people have that have been documented throughout the years, and that is dismissed by Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think there's some validity to it. There's a lot of eyewitness testimony, uh, especially with the variety. And that's the unique thing about these encounters is that there is similarity with these creatures through eyewitness testimony, but not everything is locked in verbatim from story to story. There is enough wiggle room with all these different encounters. You could assume that there's like a hundred different species or it's the same entity taking many different forms in order to achieve its goal. Hmm. But what did Snopes say about that? Oh, it's fake and gay. Oh. That's probably what they said. <laughs> when in doubt, go to Snopes.com. I, uh, I've s- come across over the years these videos of like Katy Perry or Beyonce during interviews where it zo- you zoom in on their face and all- they blink and all of a sudden their irises are slit, vertical slits, um, or their pupils are vertical slits and when they blink again, their eyes are back to normal. And I actually went as far as to go to the original CBS uh, copy still on YouTube of, I think it was Katy Perry at the time. And I'll have to do this again because I think I did it with like another person too. And sure enough, like you zoom in and freeze frame on the official interview and that same thing happens with the slits in the eyes in between blinks. Have you seen this stuff? Yeah, I I have seen that stuff. It's uh, I find it pretty interesting. 
uh, it's it's tough to determine what is like a, an artifact of compression versus these are real lizard people. Yeah, uh, I want to believe, but at the same time, it it does even. Even in my mind, where I, wanna, I, in, I'd rather I don't want to believe where, where there's not imposter humans I have to worry about, but yeah, it's like it seems like I I live in both worlds of of the the known world that we live in every day, where I go to Kroger's and you know buy stuff, versus oh I I also go to a world and there could be aliens walking right next to me buying string cheese and ice cream. Uh, that's also a possibility in my mind, and uh, it's tough to think that. There are aliens that are occupying a human body, uh, ruling us. It's not a fun thought, but it's a possibility we can. I consider it's just not a fun one. And so you're like, ah, it's bullshit. It's just an artifact of compression. There's no way that Katy Perry is a lizard person. But but then there's like thirty percent of me like, eh, maybe. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. I I was digging back through um, uh, to find relevant content uh, in relation to Ukraine versus humanoid encounters. Uh, because Ukraine's in the news because everything that uh, Putin's doing and NATO. And there are a lot of Ukrainian tales of, of UFO encounters, humanoid encounters, weird paranormal events and i did find one with uh, a lizard encounter from 1984 <laughs> exactly um uh, so there's there's a lot um and in every country every culture has its own set of these humanoid encounters ranging from lizard people to little gray elves to ships coming down and landing. It's not unique to one place or the other. It's kind of open to, there are commonalities throughout all these, through every culture, but it's interpreted a little different depending on where you're at. And, uh, but the lizard people, I mean, that's a, that's a big one through pretty much all cultures. They, there is a legend and myth of lizard people interacting with humans. Hi, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's, that's one of them. I like that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I am just so sick of Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's a great what? I'm going to take a shit. Yeah. Uh, I'm going Al to the does not like Arnold at all. He does not like Arnold Schwarzenegger at all. I, re I rewatched uh, 9-11, The Road to Tyranny, I think it was. Like one of the early Alex Jones documentaries. I think it was that one. Maybe Terror Storm, something like that. Uh, and uh, the whole last third of the documentary was all about Arnold Schwarzenegger and how they're grooming him to be the next president of the United States. Yeah, but they have to get around that uh, that constitutional law that you have to be a naturally born citizen. I, I think they haven't he, gotten around that one yet. I think he gave up. I think Alex gave up on that being a thing that was going to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, during that time period where Arnold was the the governor of California, people were like, oh, he's great. You know, he, he people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and they probably during that time, they could have rammed something through Congress or the Senate, whatever needed to be done to get him in to become president. Um, it just there wasn't like a, a absolute need. There wasn't that vacuum of power 
because mm-hmm. during that time period, it was uh, oh, President Obama was rising and becoming much more prominent of a figure. And so Arnold wasn't really needed as a political force. And to be honest, he probably wasn't that good of a governor. So he didn't do amazing things in California. Uh, so there wasn't that drive behind him to to really push for a change to the, the United States Constitution. Yeah, and he's also at least comes from a very like neo-Nazi family. Whether or not he subscribes to that is up for debate, but he seems to be pretty Nazi. Uh, yeah, ish. yeah. Uh, he does wear the. He, there are pictures of him wearing the skull and crossbones, like as a belt buckle. But that's a common thing to wear. It's, it's like a pirate. Uh, you know, no yeah, pirates. It, pirates were were uh, some of those pirates weren't. Uh, Illuminati or what or Nazis? I mean, it's a it's a design element in fashion. Uh, it, it gets used very often, and sometimes people will use taboo symbols because they think it's cool or it looks nice or they want to be rebellious or seem edgy. I mean, that's that's what punk rock did uh, back in the seventies and in the UK. You had a lot of punk rockers wearing swastikas because it was a cultural taboo. Did any of them wear the uh, the Hitler mustache? Uh, I I don't know. I I maybe in jest. I don't think they wore it as a piece of fashion. They I know have, your mustache is cool. They probably wore it as uh, a one off. But I know Sid Vicious. He he wore a swastika T shirt half the time when he was in the in the uh, Sex Pistols. So oh, Sid Vicious. I, yeah. yeah, the Sex. He did that that famous song "Twist Me Up." Twist me up. Twist me up! Give uh, me more twisting! I I don't remember that single. I Just say it with me, Chris. Uh, what, what? Just say it with me, Chris. Twist, twist me, up. me up! Give me Give more, me more twist. twisting! Okay. I missed that song. <laughs> I, th- I thought I could have sworn that was a Sex Pistols hit. No. I'm not, not to my knowledge. It may have been a, a C-side or a B-side, but I missed that one. Oh. Oh, 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 my gosh. Oh, um, yeah. You, you got any more BuzzFeed clips? Or I you got any more a, UFO clips. I do have a one last BuzzFeed clip continuing with David Icke. Yes, yeah, here. I, if I ever have, if I ever have David Icke back on the show, I'm going to call him David Icke the whole time and just see what he does. Yeah. Back to David Icke, the leading reptilian conspiracy theorist. He was a famous soccer player in the UK who had to retire after developing arthritis at age 21. He became political and joined the Green Party as a spokesman in the 1980s. He resigned from the Green Party in the early 1990s, which later banned him, and he toured the country telling people he was the son of the Godhead, and was generally laughed out of good favor in the UK. His theories have often been labeled as anti-Semitic. While some of the people on the list aren't Jewish, Icke has stated that the Rothschilds, a prominent and influential Jewish family, are actually blood-sucking reptiles. Ah. It claims that he's not criticizing real Jews, just many lizard people posing as Jews. These are his words, not mine. He's also been labeled a Holocaust denier, positing both that Jews may have funded the Holocaust or that it didn't happen at all. In addition to that, Matt, I don't know. I don't know that that's true about him ever saying it didn't happen at all. But yeah, I never heard that. But but I'm not like I'm not like super big up on David Icke, but I never heard him say that. Yeah, I I did. I mean, and I think he has said that the Rothschilds or the Rockefellers funded the Holocaust, which I mean, I think they funded both sides of World War II. So you could argue. Yeah, you could argue the Bushes when they, you know, helped out 
Hitler before he w- turned evil that they funded the Holocaust. You know, you could argue. Of course. You could say uh, IBM helped track Jews, <laughs> which they did. So they say, helped. You could say Schwarzenegger put him in the chambers himself, you know. I am Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, but yeah, IBM. One, one could say Bayer, that. One could say that. Yeah, not you. Not you or me, but one could say that Bayer, yeah. who now owns Monsanto, helped uh, build the gas for the gas chambers, and IBM built the tracking devices. One could say that. There also might be a scientific reason why we might just not like snakes to begin with, making us very susceptible to a fear of a reptile-human hybrid. In 2013, scientists discovered that we have certain neurons in our brains that only respond to snakes. According to their research published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, these neurons were very important to our early ancestors who had to be wary of snakes when they were a major threat to survival. In a small study in 2014, EEG meters were used to track subjects' brain activity when shown photos of snakes. The study showed what we already know. People, for the most part, don't like snakes. Could this be evidence of a possible counter theory that we're predisposed to be scared of reptiles and therefore more likely to be paranoid about lizard people? I think so. So are we under the rule of a bloodline of reptilian aliens intent on sucking our human blood and shape-shifting their way into our hearts and minds? Or is this just, and excuse my language, a bunch of horse apples? We may never know for sure. What? What? Horse apples? Yeah. I didn't really get the sense of humor in the pacing of that video. So no, I mean it's easy to dismiss and make fun of this stuff. I do. I I ridicule this stuff, but I do it from a place that I look at this stuff and I kind of understand where people are coming from. I don't believe every eyewitness account, and just because I make fun of something doesn't mean I don't believe it. There, I mean, th- these are ridiculous things that are going on in this reality. And if you don't have fun with it uh, and just get bogged down on the unknowns in the darker side of it, it can be paralyzing. Um, but they're coming at it from an angle like it's all bullshit and that we shouldn't entertain these ideas because it's so fantastical. Um, Which it would be if the lizard people were running BuzzFeed. That's what they would do. Probably. Uh, they would want to dismiss it. It's a common tactic. All this stuff, everything that's going on in the news that we talked about, we, the 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 conspiracy community, and uh, I guess I'm including you and I in that, Chris. The what? Um, not me. And not, okay, not you. But uh, <laughs> we, uh, as a legion of podcasters that dare talk about things that uh, may or may not be true, but at least entertaining ideas. Uh, a lot of the things that we've talked about over the past few years uh, have turned out to be true, uh, ranging from the Hunter Biden laptop to uh, vaccine passports to uh, ivermectin, all that kind of stuff. But it's not, uh, it's not about credit, but it is. It kind of is because it shows precedent. And it also shows that when there is an immediate reaction by the mainstream uh, and just a status quo narrative, and they come out right away to dismiss it, that you're kind of hitting on something that really will rock their world. Now, some of the stuff is a a bit of a longer burn, like UFO stuff. That's been burning and a story for decades uh, but it's not only come to the forefront being talked about by mainstream people because it generates hits. People are, in general, 
much more open to the idea and talking to uh, about this topic to their friends and family and that they can now control the narrative on it. And so when David Ick says something, well, people are open to the idea of UFOs. They're not ready, according to BuzzFeed, to talk about being uh, in a society that has already been infiltrated by lizard people. They want to control that narrative. Yeah, and so they have to ridicule it. And just to to touch uh, back on the lizard people again for a second, it is, um, I know David Ike, or sorry, David Ick says, he he calls them the djinn, but it's, and he claims that they can like possess people, take like um, interdimensionally or spiritually. So like is, uh, my understanding of the reptilians is less of a physical entity and more of a, uh, extra dimensional, almost like demonic entity. Uh, they can do a combo so they can appear physically, but they also can be, uh, they have the ability of, of some sort of like possession, uh, spirit possession almost. So, I mean, you gotta go back to where in modern times, this kind of started and it all goes back to the Nazis and their obsession, at least certain Nazis and their obsession with the occult and uh, the Vril Society yeah. and what they used to do by channeling, using channeling and in, in, in transmediumship to interact with non-physical intelligences to get knowledge and direction. UFO blueprints. Help yeah, and all that kind of stuff to influence the Third Reich and its uh, occult practices. Um, I think a lot of that carries on today in parts of Western governments and Western elite. Nice. Those practices. Yeah, I mean, uh, spirituality and the relationship that humans have with the spiritual world has always been influential in controlling the population. And there's no reason to believe those practices are no longer in use today. And we don't know what kind of information they're getting. I would argue that's where the technological advancement of the last half century has come from. Possibly. uh, There's there's various stories ranging from rocket developers and uh, engineers that have been given ideas whether it's like a uh, moment of inspiration shot in from the universe and they're able to articulate it in their own mind and develop technology uh, along those lines or if it comes from an actual piece of tangible material that they're able to reverse engineer Um, but there there is something uh, there when it comes to occult practices and a gleaning information from the ether when uh, they communicate with these non-physical intelligences. And I think with technology and with, with science, uh, they're able to use different methods to interact with this other realm, whether that's DMT or other kind of uh, induced altered states of consciousness. Uh, they're able to use it to get information to use against the population. Yeah, like the, I know like Alex Jones has gone deep on Rogan and a couple other podcasts where he's talking about the NASA giving up on space travel when they found out about the extra dimensional 
like psychonaut stuff. So instead of they, you know, when the DMT stops working, they take the astronauts, stop their hearts artificially and pump blood into so that their body stays alive, but their soul leaves their body. They can have longer meetings with the aliens and, you know, where the Nazis did or the Aztecs did, where it's like, you know, just kill 50 kids. And then a giant praying mantis gives you blueprints for, you know, your next pyramid or your next, uh, (laughs) the building the cell phone or whatever. It's fucking nutty shit, but it makes more sense than most theories. That's how they choose to interact with our simulator reality. Their, their way of interacting with the code is to be drunk on our children's blood. (laughs) is using different rituals to access the API. Uh, there are some people that use much nicer religions. They are much uh, more appropriate uh, rituals and ceremonies to interact with the simulation, to request something from it. Others, uh, the ruling elite, choose to use quick and dirty methods of sacrifice in order to get a reaction from the simulation to access the API. And when you use these mind-altering drugs or even near-death experiences to take yourself out of the simulation a little bit, to look down on it, um, that's another method to kind of see what's going on. There's a lot of people that have had near-death experiences where they're taken out of their body, and while they're in the limbo state interacting with the the, the universe, um, they feel like they're all one and that they have access to every piece of history, every piece of information all at once. And they're given a decision to stay or to go back to our reality. But sometimes they're given a choice. How do you want to go back? Do you want to go back uh, in one of different eight ways? You can basically choose your own adventure at that point. And what simulation do you want to be a part of? Do you want to be a painter? you want to be an artist? Do you want to be an adventurer? a politician, and they're able to rejoin the simulation at that chosen point. I want to be Sid Vicious. Twist me up! Uh, so, yeah, we're. Uh, I don't know if you can go back I, that much. I, I think you can uh, be in the present and in the future. It's harder to go back. I mean, I've had almost verbatim what you just described, the like my one full-on ego death that I had. You know, I've told this story on here. A handful of times, but uh, yeah, it was just just like a complete uh, experience of being everything and knowing everything and being able to like see everything from a, the entire cosmos from a zoomed out lens, but then pop in wherever I wanted and then eventually like came back and thought I was being born, but remembered who I was and stuff. Lasted you a couple. Chose to came, you chose to came back and do a C-list podcast? <laughs> Excuse me. I don't think I got a choice to come back. I think it was like, oh. I have to come back because I wasn't actually dead. I just was psychologically dead. Yeah, I, I haven't had a near-death experience, uh, so I, I can't comment on that. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And uh, I definitely saw the people... entire, leading up to it, my entire life from start, from because I was dead at that point. I saw my entire life from birth to current day except everything was from the perspective of the person, people I was interacting with Mm -hmm. and like, you know, uh, like just every throughout my entire life, except I was always looking at myself from the perspective of others. Pretty wild shit. And did it show like all the wrong you did them or just all the good, all the good and all All the bad, all the, all the good, all the bad, everything. Mm. I mean, it was like, and, uh, and then, and then after that, just, you know, shot out of, 
my ego into a cannon and had no remember like no memory for what felt like infinity uh of my you, of myself i didn't know who i was i just was everything how'd you almost die uh too much acid the first time i'd ever done acid really how much did you do it wasn't like a literal death it was a psychological like extreme sure, ego yeah. death uh they were used double dip to grateful dead acid Double dip, Grateful Dead ass. When, we didn't know it was double do dipped, so we did the equivalent of like four hits. Okay, but having never tripped before, that was and yeah. Me, me that, and my friends, I saw the moon grows to where it took up the entire sky. I watched a nug of weed turn into a caterpillar and crawl around, like just. Come, and this was like half an hour after taking. I was like, "This is about to get crazy." And independently, me and my buddy both, um, we ended up having our own adventures that night, <laughs> but independently the next day we both said like everything turned into like ones and zeros like yellowish green matrix style pretty quick into the night and we weren't talking to each other about that the night it happened so there's stuff like that we're like oh yeah we were both fucking way out there yeah i've i've done some some pretty hardcore acid in my day but i've never had that you know i've never i've never been sucked out of my body and taken to a different realm um, I've had very interesting uh, interpretations of the current reality, and but I've never experienced what you did. Maybe have, I just apparently I didn't take enough. Have, have you ever gotten to the um, point on acid or mushrooms where you're there might be one or two other people around you, and you cannot tell if you're the one talking or if you're listening? Where you mind uh, meld to a certain point, you can't figure out who's if you're talking or listening to, and it all just kind of flows into one big psychic or like melting pot conversation. No, I, I never had that either. That's uh, freaky I guess, when that happens. That's that's like when, oh when my, you know when that starts happening. That's when you know you're on the cusp of like going out of body. I think all my uh, acid experiences have been fairly tame compared to yours. So yeah, I, I, I mean, guess I wouldn't I recommend it right. That to, well, I wouldn't recommend. I think uh, tame is probably the safer way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate, but that's uh, they're doing that stuff right now to communicate with these uh, creatures, whatever it is out there. They're using. They're trying to use this stuff. Please marry him somehow. Stop him. Don't look at him. It's uh, it's horrible. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm with I'm with Alex Jones there. Uh, yeah. Well. Uh, Mike, thanks for hanging out. I th unless you got anything else, I think that's all I had to really talk about today was no, people. I, no, I'm going to uh, go out there and talk to the chickens, and uh, that's all I got today. I'm, I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this. Hell yeah. So on, uh, what, is today? what is it coming up on uh, tomorrow? Noon. OBDM live. Yep. Yeah, we'll be live 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just go to obdmpod.com to check your listings. We're everywhere. But YouTube. Yes, just clips on YouTube. Is there any plan on going back to YouTube or have you, uh, have you left that sinking ship for here? I think we just left it. If I do anything on YouTube, I'll start a new channel and just focus on non-controversial stuff because it's still a great place to be if you want to get like an audience but I would have to be so tame over there that 
if people were to check out the podcast, they'd be thrown for a loop. So I don't know. Just have the Snopes friendly version over there. When in doubt, go to Snopes.com. Yep. I'm going to call you back at the start of the show to Chris. Don't you think so, Chris? Just say it with me. Call Chris at 1130. He's our guest and Mike. I was going to tweet this too. Maybe I should. Let me just show you some fun stuff I found on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Chris. I'll talk to you soon. OBDMPod.com for all your OBDMPod needs. That's it. I'm done today. Abs in a six-pack! Hello, Abs in a six-pack. Call Chris at 1130. He's our guest and Mike. Excuse me? Oh, cool. You guys are hanging out. Listen, I hired you without looking into your credentials, so... I own a progressive-thinking bookstore. How's that for credentials? Hmm, you should come by. Catch up. Well, you should catch up on spreading your features out on all that face you got. Steve, hmm... Don't feel threatened by my greater grasp of history. Stick around. I'll teach you. Ancient astronaut Bible explanations? Oh, yeah. What's with that uh, flock of virgins over there? That's AA, Ancient Astronaut Society. You know, they meet every Tuesday with Carabas. Carabas. I gotta talk to that dick. Look, you and Carabas are just like Dumbledore and Gandalf. First you want to fight, but pretty soon... You're gonna want to screw. One must admit, I did not think you'd actually come down here to learn. I just came down here to fire your ass. You can't fire me just because I had sex with your girlfriend. No, I had broken up with her. But thanks to you, I had to screw her to be the one who screwed her last. So there. And you're fired. Yeah, campus cops, Steve Smith. I got a restricted person, goes by the name of Carabas. I told you guys that Carabas is fired and he's not allowed on campus. Hey, wh- hey, hey, what are you doing? Come on, Carabas, time to go. No, 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 I fired Carabas. I know it's probably upsetting to look so much like Steve in there. No, but... no, no, I am totally cool with the looking alike thing, but you, you've got this backwards. Thank you, officers. Who is fired now? <laughs> Thanks, guys. I have great friends. Happy birthday, Steve. You know, Carabas is supposed to be here, too. Where is he? He is around, just like the aliens who most likely created us. Thank you so much for pushing me into Spanish, Steve. I felt like a bad Latina, but now, with a week's worth of Spanish, I feel at one with my people. That is excellent, Pony. Now as a bilingual, you should work to integrate the two halves of yourself. That is great advice, Steve. No, no, your advice is way off, brother. I tried your move and Grace didn't fuck me. Instead, she's got me slathering bomb all over her crispy sister. She trusts you with secrets. Sexual acts are sure to follow. Persevere, like the cigar-shaped UFOs against the glowing orbs in the sky over Nuremberg in 1561. Strange. Strange choice of words, but yeah, okay, I hear you. Guys, it's me, I'm Steve. That, that's Carabas, but you're all just too fucking stupid to see it. Oh, I'm sure he didn't correct us because he didn't want us to feel awkward, unlike you. Don't ruin your own birthday party. What? He's pretending to be me, and he thinks that aliens started civilization. I mean, dude, who knows? It's just as likely as the shit we teach. I mean, no one knows what the hell ever happened. <laughs> Get out of my store. Huh? It's my store. I fucking love it. 
I thought you hated ancient astronaut theorists. Mm, all right, it has never been about that.